listening to the Abide Podcast. To find out more about Abide, go to AbideChurchFL.com and enjoy today's message. Hey, so I just wanted to take a moment to introduce many of you don't know uh, the story, the history, but Dr. Brown has truly impacted and enriched this house. Um, about two years ago, uh, Gio and I, the Lord was speaking to me that I should write Dr. Brown and figure out a way to come and have him pray for me. I was just like, I couldn't get away from it. And so I wasn't really friends with Dr. Brown on Facebook or anything. I didn't know him. He didn't know me from Adam. So I messaged him and then a couple of days go by and then to my surprise, I received a message back. And I wanna just show you, this is the, the heart of the man that's gonna come share with you. Somebody random, he has no idea who it is, just says, hey, I wanna come, you can pray for me for five minutes and then I'll leave, he lives in North Carolina. And so he says, hey, come, I wanna impart, I think God's doing something. And a couple of days later, Gio and I found ourselves in a car driving to North Carolina, not knowing what to expect. And we find ourselves in Michael Brown's office and what I found in that office was an encounter with the Lord. The spirit of, of, of the Lord fell on Gio and I, we began to weep and we just begin to, all three of us begin to travail. And what happened that day in that office, you may not know this, but has pivotally shaped whew, abide today. Like where we are today as a people, what happened there shaped us. And so I wanna give honor. I wanna give honor to you, sir, like just the years you have sown in the Lord and, and for young people like me, you're just open hands to give whatever you can away. So can we just honor him as he comes? Come on, thank you so much. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Well, it's, it's a joy to be with you in your new building here. I understand it has its roots in the Jesus People Movement. That's when I got saved 1971 as a heroin shooting, LSD using hippie rock drummer. So it's a joy to be back to my roots here. Praise God. Yeah, I remember uh, receiving that request and I thought, well, anyone that's hungry enough to drive up from Florida just for a brief prayer, uh, that, that works for me because God responds to hunger. Amen? So it's great to be with you. You know, talking about how I got saved and what I got saved out of. So being in here, if, if we had people behind us as well, it triggers an old memory, probably different than many of the memories here. But just to give background, so raised in a Jew and a lot of beards. <laughs> I don't know where that comes from. Just, just notice that. Thank you, Lord. Okay, listen. A couple things, and then we'll get into the word together. Um, first, is anybody here because you got an email letting you know that, that we'd be in your area? Anybody? Okay. Uh, if you're on our mailing list, if we're coming to your area, uh, among many other things, we, we let you know that. But it just so happens that we agreed to come here. I, I love the hearts of Pastor Gio and the, the team. I said, absolutely, we'll be here. And there's a pastor I've worked with for some years, also in the Tampa area, Arise Church. All right, and I, I got an invitation. Anyway, you could speak tonight in Tampa. I said, are you serious? So he had no idea I was gonna be here this morning. So I said, let's, it felt like the Lord. 
So uh, abide in the morning, arise at night. That works. So you're, of course, you're welcome to join us there uh, at, at 6. But listen, I, I love to pour into people. I love to answer your questions. I love to equip and, and serve. Every day on the radio, I serve as your voice for moral sanity and spiritual clarity. And there's a way that you can take me home with you and just ask me your questions anytime. And as soon as I write a new article, you'll know, or anytime you want to listen to the broadcast or miss one, you can have it 24-7 for free. So here's what you do. Grab your, grab your cell phones. You're allowed to do this now, okay? Then you put them away. <laughs> grab your cell phones, and uh, whether it's Android or Apple, download the Ask Dr. Brown Ministries app. No video games with it, sorry, okay? ASKDR Brown, Ask Dr. Brown Ministries. Make sure you put ministries in there. So every time there's a new article written, which is multiple times a week, you're watching things happen in the culture around you, you're watching the news, you're getting upset. Hey, we won't just get your blood boiling, we'll get your faith rising. We won't just tell you what's wrong, we'll tell you how to get what's right. So this way, every day, new articles post it, you'll have it. Or uh, we post a new video, or I'm debating a rabbi or a Muslim or something, boom, you'll have, you'll have the links. Uh, you miss a broadcast, right? You want to listen live, right, on your phone. So ASK Dear Brown Ministries, make sure you download it, and then explore it. Uh, right there on, on the homepage of the app, you'll see uh, different video series we've, we've done, talks, debates, all kinds of things, Jewish outreach, and then just click on read or watch. And if you have a question, just scroll down and search, put in the word, you'll, you'll find we've probably addressed it. We probably answered it. We may have a video about it. And um, in, the, in the coming months, I'm scheduled uh, to be in London debating a, a Muslim leader on whether Muhammad is prophesied in the Bible. It's a pretty easy debate, actually. The answer is no, in case you weren't sure. Um, but that'll be either at a mosque, a big mosque, or at a university there. Then a couple days later when I get home, uh, how many of you are familiar with the rising tide of the black Hebrew Israelite cult? Uh, yeah, so it, there are, just like I'm a white Jew, there are black Jews that we, we all exist all around the world. But this is a very angry cult, growing probably a million and a half or more. Revival or we die, a great awakening is our only hope. Uh, it's, it's the most important book I've written on revival in, in over 25 years. If you're hungry, it'll take you deeper. It'll give you a picture of what real revival looks like and, and light a fire in you to go after God. If you're not hungry, it'll get you hungry because it'll present what, what can happen when God really moves. So we have some copies of the book there. And then last thing, um, Jeremiah has, that was here last night, we didn't get to see each other, uh, has, has followed our ministry for some years and I've been close with him and been blessed to see God's hand on his life. The first time we met face to face was when I was in Israel leading a tour and we were going with the group for ministry that night and he happened to see our bus and, and jumped on with us. And that's how we first met face to face. But um, we are going back to Israel. We, we couldn't go for a few years because of COVID, uh, but we're going back to Israel this May and we have just a few seats left, uh, only a couple of buses, so it's intimate. Uh, it's an amazing tour uh, because it's got 
it's, it's not just a typical Christian tour because of the Jewish roots that, that we bring. It's an amazing tour, but what makes it really special is that we do something in addition to the tour by day, we do something together every night. Uh, I've got some of my lead intercessors coming. There are literally tens of millions of intercessors around the world joining for a season of prayer that'll be leading right up to that. In fact, especially praying for, for Israel on May 28th, and we'll be there right before that. So we're gonna have some powerful prayer meetings. We do live radio shows at night. Uh, you know, we sit together, answer questions. So it's, it's an amazing tour. And then those that want something at night, we're doing it as well. So here's the deal. And can I just have a, a couple guys help real quick? Uh, if you think that you'd like to go, not like I would love to go one day, but it's never gonna happen. But if you think that you'd like to go, uh, it's in the middle of May, uh, just raise your hand and we'll give you one of these cards. If you think, wow, I'd really like to go. And it, it is, it's an amazing tour. Like I said, time's limited. And uh, why is my phone talking? Did I, I didn't say Bixby or Siri or Google or anything. It just happened. It just happened. Hang on. Lord, was that, was that you? Okay, no, I didn't. Sense that. I, was, I was preaching in uh, Australia once, and I happened to mention something about Syria because there were some Syrian refugees there. I happened to mention something about Syria, and someone's phone went on thinking I was talking to Siri. Anyway. <laughs> All right, so everybody good? Yeah, you can always go to the website, sdrbrown.org, uh, to find out more. And folks, you know, we always stay at nice hotels, but people say, we want to stay at all five-star hotels. Like, all right, so it's, you won't be sacrificing while you're there, just to let you know. All right, everybody ready? Let's pray. Abba, Father, give us ears to hear what your spirit is saying. Speak, Lord. Your servants are listening. In Jesus' name, amen. Isaiah chapter 57. I, I want to teach as well as preach and open up why repentance prepares the way of the Lord and why you cannot have a move of God, you cannot have revival without repentance. During the Azusa Street revival at the turn of the last century, Frank Bartleman, one of the leaders in the revival, said that the depth of any revival will be determined by the spirit of repentance that is obtained. How deeply does God work in us? How deeply does God bring a spirit of repentance, making us aware of sin, making us aware of his holiness, and giving us the grace to turn from those things. How deeply does that happen in our lives? That's how deeply the move of God can go. Isaiah 57, 14, and it will be said, build up, build up, prepare the road, remove the obstacles out of the way of my people. For this is what the high and exalted one says, he who lives forever, whose name is holy, I live in a high and holy place, but also with the one who is contrite and lowly in spirit to revive the spirit of the lowly and to revive the heart of the contrite. I will not accuse them forever, nor will I always be angry. 
for then they would faint away because of me, the very people I have created. I was enraged by their sinful greed. I punished them and hid my face in anger. Yet they kept on their willful ways. I have seen their ways, but I will heal them. I will guide them and restore comfort to Israel's mourners, creating praise on their lips. Peace, peace to those far and near, says the Lord, and I will heal them. But the wicked are like the tossing sea, which cannot rest, whose waves cast up mire and mud. There is no peace, says my God, for the wicked. Build up, build up, prepare the road. Remove the obstacles out of the way of my people. Earlier in Isaiah, the 40th chapter, there are these famous words spoken, comfort, comfort my people, says the Lord. And God declares to Israel that has been suffering in exile. Your sins are forgiven. You've received double from the hand of the Lord for all your iniquity. And then a voice cries, what do I, what do I say? And, and the answer from God is that all flesh is, is grass. The answer from God is that every mountain must be removed and the valley must be filled up and the, the rough place is made smooth and the crooked place is made straight to prepare the way for the coming of God. I mean, just think of it first as a physical, literal picture. There is a journey and you're, you're going to be coming through a wilderness area and, and there are mountains in the way and there, there are valleys to, to get over. And some of the road is very, very rough and some of it's crooked. So you prepare the way so that the, the entry can be made. Think of it on a really practical level. You've got a guest room in your house that's never used. So it's just filled with all kinds of clutter and the family just dumps whatever. We need to clean out the clutter and the junk. The problem is most of us are so used to living with the clutter and the junk that we don't even know it's there. Leonard Ravenhill used to say that the church has been subnormal for so long that when it finally becomes normal, everyone thinks it's abnormal. <laughs> Christian leader from China, Watchman Nee, said by the time the average Christian gets his temperature up to normal, everybody thinks he's got a fever. Remember, as Jesus is speaking to the churches in, in Asia Minor in Revelation 2 and 3, he says in Revelation 3, 19, as many as I love, I rebuke and discipline. Therefore, be zealous and repent. And what does he say to these churches? Think of, of Ephesus, hardworking, orthodox, holding to biblical doctrine, persevering in their faith, tested those who claimed to be apostles and were not. What does he say to them? I have this against you. You've left your first love. Think of it. You could be orthodox in doctrine. You, you could weed out the heretics. You could be persevering in faith and still just be doing it somehow by religious rote. He, he says, to sorry this, you have a reputation of being alive and yet you're dead. He says to Laodicea, think of this. You say, I'm rich, increased in wealth and have need of nothing. You don't realize, he says, that you're wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. Think of that level of spiritual self-deception. Can you imagine it? I'm rich, increased in goods, increased in wealth, have need of nothing. Jesus says, no, you're actually wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. Many times we don't have a spirit of repentance because we're in a compromised state. Be because we don't realize how far we've fallen from our first love. 
or, or we're so used to a substandard faith that it seems normal to us. I've been to India now 28 times, would have been 30 times if not for the two years of COVID where we couldn't go. And we work with an extraordinary brother there. We're super close friends. He's been stoned for his faith. Our lives have been threatened together preaching. Planted over 10,000 churches in unreached tribal regions. Lost a number of his men to martyrdom. Built hospitals, schools, just extraordinary. He himself was an untouchable. God wonderfully saved him. He was a radical communist, engaged in really terroristic activities when the Lord mercifully transformed him and saved him. The second trip we were there, there were 10 of us together, all from America. A couple of them were Indian, but living in America, very used to American culture. And it was the, the first day about 40 hours of travel from leaving our home to getting to the final destination there. So we go in for our first service. And in those days, they didn't have a, a building on those grounds. It was just, it was a hut, long hut and dirt floor. And maybe a couple hundred people in there, including 75 kids, the orphans in the, in the children's home. And the whole service is in Telugu. So we don't know what's being sung. We don't know what's being said. But we're about to embark on, on 17 days of, of day and night ministry and travel. It's going to be a really rigorous, challenging, difficult trip. Even for the Indians, it was, it was a very intense schedule. And the brother leading the ministry calls for a time of prayer before we go. So that much we understood. They're going to pray for our trip as we go out. And, and we could hear some of the names of the cities where we're going. That's all I understood. All I know is everybody goes to pray, including all these little kids, young as three and a half up to maybe 14, 15. And they're all just on their knees. And these kids begin crying for the lost. I'm talking about tears coming down their cheeks, five-year-old kids, tears coming down their cheeks as they're praying for souls and praying for the lost. And, and just focus, nobody moving, nobody looking around, just going on an extended period of prayer. When the service was over, after I preached and ministered, the service was over, and I went over to the team because I knew exactly what they were thinking. I said, so what, what happened to you in the service today? And they all basically had two thoughts. First, why am I here? What do I have to give to these people? What do I have to add to people of faith like that? And the second thought they had was, if they're saved, I'm not. In other words, if that's what Christianity is, I don't have what they have. We don't know what we don't know. And often when God begins to move, there is this stirring, there's this awakening, there's this, I had no idea. You know, you think of King Josiah leading the nation in repentance after the ungodly reign of his grandfather Manasseh. And just the horrible atrocities committed under Manasseh, even though he repented later in life and God spared him, the nation was still in a terrible place of idolatry and sin. So Josiah knows enough to know that something is really wrong. And he begins leading the nation in repentance. And then as they're clearing out the temple, because the temple itself has been defiled. There's been all kinds of sin, sexual sin and idolatrous sin joined together right there in the temple. And, and the temple itself is in disrepair. So they begin to, to search through it and clear things out, and they discover the book of the law. Yeah. 
Well, there was the whole Torah. Well, there was the book of Deuteronomy. There was debate about that. But they discover it and start reading it and think, oh, no. It's far worse than we realized. You know, it's like when you go to the doctor thinking you just got this pain in your back and they sit you down to say, actually, it's this and this and this and this. Oh, no. They knew something was wrong. But as they got deeper and the word of God was rediscovered, they realized it's worse than we thought. And that's what often happens when we freshly encounter God. He's not coming to condemn us or to hurt us. He's, he's coming to cleanse us and purify us so he can bless us. This, this month on our radio show, we had a, a strong emphasis on let's get healthy. Talking about physical health, spiritual health, emotional health, let's get healthy. So I talked about how God transformed my life eight and a half years ago. Just radical transformation of my diet lifestyle because I was a lifelong unhealthy eater. Somebody like, you're not going to talk about food, are you? Yes, I am. I was a lifelong unhealthy eater. Not a glutton, but a lifelong unhealthy eater and addicted to unhealthy foods. And food addictions are tough because everybody needs to eat. And the standard American diet is deadly. You talk about a conspiracy to destroy us and take our lives. It's the way we eat. Anyway... God just helped me. People say, Dr. Brown, you're so disciplined. Well, why did it take me 59 years to get it right with food? Yeah, in many ways, I'm very disciplined and have been for decades. But this was just a stronghold. That was a chocoholic and other foods that were just unhealthy. When I was a boy, I used to have Oreos for breakfast. That was it. That was the entire breakfast, four Oreos. So God just intervened. It's his grace. Eight and a half years, no deviation. I went from 275 pounds to 180 in less than eight months. I literally feel like I'm getting younger every year as we're talking Psalm 103 to start, you know, youth renewed like the eagles. I mean, I really feel like that. My workouts are intense, and, and just by God's grace, he helped me. I, I, don't, judge, I don't judge anyone because I know how challenging it is. And look, God instantly set me free from shooting heroin and drugs and, and set me one instantly. It was much harder to give up chocolate, much harder. <laughs> I struggled three miserable days of withdrawal. It was terrible. I don't, I don't mean like heavy withdrawal some have had where they've got to be, you know, in a hospital. Or but I was just miserable, three days. I remember the third night crying out, Jesus, you were so close to me. When you saved me, you said, well, you're so close and so real. I need you to be real now. I, I remember confessing, surely the power of your spirit is more powerful than Glazed chocolate Dunkin' Donuts, just crying out for a breakthrough. And God helped. And once he helped, I don't deviate. You understand? It's like once I realized he did this, I live as if I'm a recovering food addict. You know what I'm saying? That one day messing up could destroy everything. So I don't play with it. It's grace. It's a miracle in my life. I'm healthy, thriving, blessed. I don't boast about tomorrow, but it's just when he did it. Okay, so I said all that to say that Yesterday, I, I just tweeted this out, and I asked the question, at, at what point do our unhealthy eating habits constitute sin and disobedience in God's sight? I just I asked the question. And, and, and then I, when someone said, I don't really see this in the Bible, I just said, does God speak to us about self-control in the Bible? 
Does he speak to us about gluttony in the Bible? Does he speak of the false teachers whose God is their stomach? Does he talk about stewardship of, of, of the temple that he's given us? Just questions to ask. Now, I'm not judging and saying it because I know I, I love the Lord with all my heart. I was devoted when I was a chocoholic, and he used me. He used me when I was fat. He uses me when I'm thin. That's the, the grace of God. But, but I bring this up to say that often God starts to meddle in areas we didn't expect him to meddle with. Yeah, man of God, lay hands on me for a fresh anointing. Well, what if that fresh anointing means deep repentance? God comes like a refiner's fire, Malachi 3. And that means that, that all the impurities are brought up to the surface. It's very unpleasant. It's very uncomfortable. But look, they're there anyway. That's, I, I, I'm not a nutritionist. My wife Nancy really studied extensively, and we found some guidelines that we've been living by. But, but I read a little bit about fasting, and it was talking about you know, the, the feeling, bad feelings you can have and, and stuff and headaches and so on. And a lot of it has to do with unhealthy eating. And then when you fast, all the junk starts to come out of your system. And, and I remember, right, a detox thing. I, I remember as I was going through those three days of withdrawal, I thought, okay, this is miserable, but it's good because bad stuff is leaving. That's right. That's good. So God's not out to embarrass you. God's not out just to make you feel bad. If he wanted to, he could do it in an instant and we'd all be dead. In a split second, he could reveal the depth of our sin and we'd be out never to recover. If he wanted to destroy us and condemn us, he would have done it a long time ago. John 3, God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him would be saved. When God comes with a spirit of revival, it's so he can be all in all. How much do we want him? How much room is there for him? You know, go back to the food analogy. I remember in the old days of eating unhealthily, and we planned to go to a particular restaurant, and, and always my favorite desserts, it was like death by chocolate. And I never saw death by apple pie or death by tiramisu. It was death by chocolate or chocolate suicide. It's another one. Or chocolate decadence. And it would take like three people to bring the dessert out, you know, and I'd want the whole thing for myself. But some nights, you know, I, we're planning out, okay, we're going to go to such and such restaurant for a special meal. That's where, you know, I'd, I'd skip. I wouldn't eat otherwise during the day. That was my discipline. I wouldn't eat in the day so I could pick out at night. And, and I, you know, you get there, but by the time you fill up on the rolls, of course, I always had to have a little salad, and, and then the appetizers, and then the decadent American meal, People come from around the world to our restaurants. So they're shocked by the amount of food. And, and by the time they said you want dessert, it's like, no. Not, why? Because I'm full with everything else. If we're filled with the world, if we're filled with sin and carnality, if we're filled with sports and entertainment and social media, whatever it is, or distractions or business, if that consumes us, there's no room for God. You know, ju just like if you have allotted 75 minutes to leave your home, go to a church service, and get back home, that's, that's all you're going to get. And, and there'd be prayer. There was, there was like a fishbowl in, in, in the, the front of the building, right by the altar, and people would put pictures of their loved ones that weren't saved in there. And before the service, people would come around there and pray 
And many times people, as they're getting baptized, they'd be crying and say, I was in that fishbowl. You all prayed for me. So parents would be praying, and then the kids would show up at the service and get radically, dramatically saved. And, and then revival services lasted like five hours a night on average, most nights of the week. And so, so they'd come home from the service maybe one in the morning and, and come in, and their mom and dad are watching TV and some, you know, unclean movie. And they're like, Mom, Dad. What? I thought you were a Christian. You're praying for me. And the, and the parents would get upset. Like, don't get religious on me. So they, they wanted the kid off drugs. They didn't want their daughter sleeping around. But they didn't want them really saved, really consecrated. Another youth pastor in Nebraska said, Dr. Brown, what do I do? Parents asked me to reach out to their kids. And they're in high school and they're lost. So I get in the schools. I spend time with them. I have meals with them. I lead these kids to Jesus. Now they're on fire for God. They want to be missionaries. And, 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 the, and the parents are upset because they had plans for them. You're going to be a doctor. You're going to be a lawyer. And God calls many to be doctors and lawyers. And many others he doesn't. He said, what do I do? I said, tell them before you want me to talk to your kid, are you willing to give your kid over to God? I used to have pastors come and tell me in our school of ministry in Pensacola. They'd say, hey, I've got a fine young man. I'm sending your way. We've got great plans for him. And I said, don't send him unless you're willing to lose him. Because it could be once he's there, God lays a different calling on his heart. And God burdens him to go to the lost. Our lives are not our own. 1 Corinthians 6, we're bought with a price. I've been saved 51 years now. God has yet to ask me for my opinion. He's yet to give me a series of options for my life. We have the celebrity path. We have the rich path. We have the martyr path. Which would you choose? Jesus says for everyone, whoever you are, whatever battles go on in your life, whatever struggles, for everyone, if anyone wants to come after me, they must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. And Luke 9, it says, Take up our cross daily. Every day we're saying no to the world, no to the flesh, and yes to God. Not by our power, but by the resurrection life that lives within us. Not out of legalism, but out of love. The refiner's fire comes and God says, you want me to come, but do you really want me to come? You really want God? When Joshua says to the people, his famous words in Joshua 24 is, for me and my house will serve the Lord. He says to the people, do you want to serve the Lord? And they said, yes. He goes, you can't. He's too holy. You don't know what you're saying. No, no, we really want to. I hope so. The refiner's fire comes and brings impurities to the surface. We didn't know they were there. That's why the repentance is often so intense. That's why you'll have people at the altar weeping and wailing and crying out. They came in, happy-go-lucky, thinking all was well. And boom, they had that encounter with God. Suddenly they saw the ugliness of their sin. You know, sometimes getting a fresh revelation of the beauty of the Lord reveals the ugliness of our sin. Sometimes seeing the love of God on the cross reveals our sin. And sometimes it's the fires of hell that reveal our sin. God can come in many, many different ways. But he wants to show us what's wrong. He, he wants to get to the root of the problem. He wants to reveal it so that we can turn from it and be fully his. And this prepares the way for the coming of the Lord. It clears the way. He's now at home in our midst. 
Exodus 25, God tells Moses, have them build for me a mikdash, a sanctuary, a holy place, and I will dwell in their midst. In Hebrew, vasudi mikdash for shachanti v'tocham, that word shachanti, I will dwell in their midst, it's the same root as, as the, the root for shekhinah, shekinah. The, the, the glory of God will come when we build a sanctuary for him. When, we, when there's room in our lives, when we're yielded, when we say, Lord, whatever the cost, whatever the consequence, I want you more than anything, that's when he comes. Yeah. Right before COVID, I was preaching at a church in California, growing church, probably about 6,000 people, great burden for the lost, regularly seeing people come to faith, going after God in worship, and they asked me, instead of just preaching on Sunday, multiple services, or Saturday night, Sunday, could I come in a day early and do a Friday night service and really focus on revival? And I preached on Malachi 3. I preached on God coming like a refiner's fire. Remember, Jesus says in Luke 12, I've come to cast fire on the earth. And the baptism of the Holy Spirit, Matthew 3.11, is, is a baptism of the Holy Spirit and fire. On the day of Pentecost, tongues of fire, some sacred meetings in Korea and Finland, Germany, just seeing that, that same thing where, where people had to, to, to get free. So I said, if you need to take this mic, get out right here on the stage with me and take this mic and make public confession, I'm inviting you to do it. I said, I don't want you to embarrass yourself with secrets, but now you think that's not an easy thing to do, but that's how deeply the spirit was moving. I pretty well guarantee you that none of the people walking into that building that night thought they'd be up on the platform confessing sin. And now there's a line of people. There's a long platform. There's a line of people. A couple stood out in my mind. One man, broken, just weeping. You, you think I've been living for God involved in drug rehab? I'm doing drugs myself. I need help. So the next thing, everyone's surrounding him, praying for him. A boy, young boy. Certainly not a teenager. Gets up, the way I treat my mom and dad, it's so wrong. And he's weeping. And parents come up and hugging him. And it's just a beautiful sacred night. Deep moving of God. I love when he does that. I get back to my hotel. And normally at the end of the night, I'm just ready to chill, maybe do some writing. Maybe have a healthy snack, watch some sports. Just chill for a little while after all these hours of ministry. But I thought, no, no, I, I got to get on my knees and, and spend time with God. I need to pray and press in myself. And suddenly, I start being aware of the most carnal attitudes, ambition and other things. And like, where is this coming from? This doesn't feel like me. Where is this? But yet I knew there was stuff in me. And I, I actually, I thought I got to journal this. This is really very humiliating and painful. And I wrote it all out. Where did this come from? Then it hit me. You just preached it. Now you're living it. <laughs> and this is not stuff I was conscious of. I don't walk around with ambition or I want to be this or I want to be seen. I want to be known. But there's just fleshly junk and God was bringing it up to the service. I did not like it. But I love to say goodbye to it. I love to just let, let it skim off and burn up and goodbye. How deeply do we want God to work in our lives. You know, in Romans 2, there's a verse that's often misquoted, that the goodness of God leads us to repentance as if 
the more you talk about how good God is and never talk about judgment, wrath, sin, anything, the more you talk about how good he is, the more people repent. That's not what the verse is saying. It's talking about we should have been judged. Here's some mocker. Here's some sinner. Here's some person not right with God. We should have been judged for our sin, but God is patiently giving us time. And, and it's his goodness designed to lead us to repentance. In other words, he's not judging us. He's showing us mercy and kindness to give us time to repent. But it's also true that a real revelation of his goodness reveals our human badness. And, and that's why you have these people in the Bible when they encounter God, like Isaiah in Isaiah 6, when he sees the Lord high and lifted up in his temple, there's debate among scholars. I'm, I'm working on a commentary on Isaiah. There's deep debate among scholars in terms of when this happens in Isaiah's life and was it the earthly temple or the heavenly temple. But as I studied it over the years, I, I really felt like it's the earthly temple in Jerusalem. Notice he goes into the temple in Jerusalem to worship as he has hundreds or thousands of times and he sees the Lord. God's here. God's in church. <laughs> you know, just like, oh, what happened? He's done it before, but he sees the Lord. And, and the seraphim, these, these angelic beings, it could be their burning beings. It's possible what the Hebrew means. And, and they're, they're proclaiming that the whole place is shaking. Kadosh, 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 Adonai's fault. Malachal hearts, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts, filling the whole earth with his glory. He's undone. Woe is me. I'm undone. My eyes have seen the king. I'm a man of unclean lips. I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. And my eyes have seen the king, the Lord of hosts. It could well have been that one minute earlier, Isaiah felt really good about his life. It could well have been that Isaiah really felt he was a holy, consecrated man who only spoke the words of the Lord. And now, in the light of God's presence, oh my, oh my. Have you ever had something happen? Maybe you're kind of in a dark room where lights out something, you grab a pair of socks, put them on and go out only to realize that they're not matching socks, but you couldn't see it because it was too dark. You ever done something like that? You know, guys shaving or ladies putting on makeup and think everything's good. It's just the room's a little dark or there's no real mirror in there where you're staying. You get in the, the car and you fix the mirror. It's like, oh. <laughs> or how many, how many people avoid the scale because you don't want to get on it? It's like, I don't weigh that much. No, this can't. Well, no, that's the reality. That's the reality. We just don't know it. We become unaware of it. And then we encounter God. It's like, oh, my. Job. I mean, he knows there's something wrong. He knows that it's something's not. The holiness of God, the presence of God, the miracles of God. Sometimes you'll see it ministering to a lost person, and they're sick, and you pray for them, and they're instantly healed. They walk away. They're angry because God revealed himself. God revealed himself. Before I was saved, I had a terrible temper, terrible temper. It would flare, kind of a jealous temper, and it would just flare. And I just be, I became like another person. My best friends, the guys who played in the band with me, so we're used to drugs and craziness and all this, but, but they, they would get out of the way when 
when I, I lose my temper. My best friend nicknamed me Craig the Evil Genie. It's like some other person just took over. And so it was terrible. So then when I got saved, it, it, it was still there and I had to deal with it. And I, I got really angry with the pastor's oldest daughter. She and my wife, Nancy, were, we've been friends for decades and decades and decades. It's a story we laugh back about. But I, I just, you know, it was really harsh. I was just angry. And uh, in fact, I, I was so angry that I went to a Monday night prayer meeting, maybe 10, 15 people there, prayed the whole night, just waiting to lay into her afterwards. Think of, think of that level of anger that you literally pray for an hour on your knees and get up and you're still fuming. So the next night was church service. We, we had services multiple times a week. And the pastors did not say a word to me. Did not say a word. I mean, I, in other words, nothing negative. Didn't bring anything up. Didn't look at me any differently. During the service, during the worship, we sing a couple of songs and then have a time to pray. And you could raise your hand. Pray for my uncle Joe. He's going in for surgery. Uh, pray for my nephew. He's, he's uh, really open to the gospel. But we had this thing called special unspoken. That's what it was called. You raise your hand, special unspoken. In other words, God knows I can't say what it is. So we had our little group. We, we brought our instruments in to join in with the, the pastor's wife who played piano. And it's during the service, and it's a prayer request, and she raises her hand and says, special unspoken. And I said, it's me. I know it's me. You're praying for God to deal with Mike because he's losing, lost his temper with their dog. Why don't you just say, pray for Mike Brown? Just, I mean, so I'm angry with her. And by the way, that's what her request was. It was for me. <laughs> Found out afterwards. I'm angry. So the pastor gets up to preach, and he just starts preaching from 1 Corinthians 13, the love chapter. And, and he would really get worked up when he was preaching. This particular night, he's just reading it. And it's King James, charity is instead of love, right? You know, love is kind, love is... Just reading through this description of love, and I'm, I'm in agony. It's like knives piercing through me. It's okay, I repent, I'm guilty. I re just as he spoke with a smile. But maybe 40 people there spoke with a smile, reading from 1 Corinthians 13 and the qualities of love. And I was begging God, stop the message. I'll repent. Stop the message, please. I'll repent. And I remember just going up to him afterwards and saying, I'm so sorry for that. And he just smiled at me, just smiled. And then God showed me how to get mastery over that, to rule my spirit. But, but, but the point is, God wants to go deeper in our lives. There are strongholds. There are idols. There are habits. There are, there are blind spots. There are things he wants to set us free from. And obviously, it's not a once-for-all time process. But we're, as we walk with the Lord over a period of years, he, he's always working and, and taking us deeper and changing us. And then we can be strong in one area and fall back in another. So it's ongoing, growing in the grace and knowledge of God, growing in obedience. But right now, even as I've been speaking, the Holy Spirit has been speaking to you about things I never even mentioned. Things I hadn't said a syllable about. And he's dealing with you about them. And he's saying, what about it? What about it? Are you going to yield? Are you going to change? Are you going to submit? How much do you want God? It's one thing to welcome God in our meetings as, as you do here and to have an atmosphere. Lord, you move. 
If if you're on our faces for four hours, Lord, we welcome you. Move how you want to move. To say as the kids meet, Lord, come and touch our kids. That's beautiful. That's wonderful. But what about me? What about you? What about this body? What about this mind? What about this heart? What about our lives? What's the refiner's fire bringing to the surface here? So I believe that God wants to take you deeper. I believe he wants to move more. I I believe he he wants another Jesus people movement in the sense of the, the most unlikely and the most lost and the most out there getting radically, wonderfully born again. I believe among those who identify as LGBTQ+, et cetera, I believe there's going to be a massive harvest of souls. And it's going to mess with us in many ways because people are going to come in in every kind of shape and form and need a lot of love and compassion and patience. But we're going to see God do it. But he, but he wants to prepare the way. He, he wants me. He wants you. Spirit, soul, body. So... I want you to close your eyes with me. Bless your name, Jesus. Blessed be your name, Jesus. I want you to close your eyes. And if the Holy Spirit has put his finger on an area in your life, whether it's something very specific, whether it's something more general, but if the Holy Spirit has put his finger on something in your life, said, I want this, whether it's calling you to early morning prayer, whether it's speaking to you about a habit that needs to break, whether it's an attitude of the heart or life, whether it's resisting a calling. But as I've been preaching, the Holy Spirit's been preaching to you. If that's you, I want you to stand to your feet, not just to say I acknowledge it, but Lord, I'm going to obey you. I'm going to yield. By your grace, by your grace, if the, I know the Holy Spirit's dealing with many. When God dropped this in my heart starting last night, I said, all right, Lord, if this is for this morning, I I know you're going to be preaching sermons to people beyond mine. Thank you, Lord. Let's pray quietly. No condemnation. Why don't you just come stand around the altar, stand around the front, so we can pray together. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. Oh, God. Let it literally be that this is an altar and we are living sacrifices. Let it literally be that you're holding back nothing. I'm not asking anyone to take a mic and make confession if you're coming forward. Don't worry about that. God wants to do some deep surgery. I feel it. Yes, Phil, this is room all around. God wants to do deep surgery. If you weren't serious about God and I preached this same message, only one-tenth of the people would respond. Even though the needs would be greater, the heart to obey would not be there. So the fact that so many are coming is a good sign to me, not a bad sign. Oh, for your cleansing fire. Ask God right where you are. God, cleanse me. Burn out the dross. Burn out the disobedience. Burn out the compromise. Burn out the lukewarmness. Burn out the coldness. Burn out the fear. Burn out the addiction. Oh, holy God, come near. Refiner's fire, come near. Everybody else, if you say, hey, I'm I'm good, just worship the Lord. Press in, fresh consecration of your life. Many, 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 many days of my life, I'd be right where you are at this altar. Many, many, many days.
Oh God, let your fire penetrate. Give us a real spirit of repentance. Help us to love what you love and hate what you hate. Help us to see things from your perspective, God. Wash away every sin with the blood of Jesus. Wash away the guilt. Wash away the condemnation. Wash away the lies. If we confess our sin, you are faithful and just to forgive us our sin, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. God, do surgery on me. God, do surgery on me. Some of you just feel dull. I don't know how to love. I want to love God. I just, I don't know how. The feelings aren't there. The Lord, set us free to love you. Set us free to serve you. Come against every lie, Father. In the name of Jesus, I come against every lie. Every work of darkness that would deceive and destroy. No more. By your spirit, I proclaim freedom. Freedom, freedom. If you've never surrendered your life to Jesus, the fact is you are lost and you will die and you will be separated from God forever. That is reality. That is not God's desire for any of us. That's why he sent his son to die for every wrong thing we ever did. Even the unspeakable, he died for everyone. And if you'll ask God for mercy and receive his forgiveness, he'll change you. Your life from here on will belong to him. He died for you so you could live for him. If that's you, wherever you are, just say, God, forgive me. Lord, this day this is the last day of my life and the first day of a new life in you. Lord, I acknowledge all the junk, the crud, the wrong things I've done, who I am. Lord, forgive me, wash me, cleanse me. I believe Jesus died for me. Believe he rose from the dead. Confess him as my Lord. From here on, God, you're my Lord. He'll do it right where you are. Right where you are. Bless your name, Lord. Bless your name, Lord. Maybe just get a couple folks up just to lead us in some worship. Sing before the Lord as God works. And when the service ends, whatever that is, if you need more time to spend alone with God, just do it. Do it. Jesus, we love you. Jesus, we love you. Let freedom come. 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 Truths. Lasting change, lasting change, lasting change, lasting change. We behold the Holy Receive the love of God afresh. Receive the power of God afresh.
Jesus. Jesus. We don't need to come over and over and over and over endlessly frustrated. God wants to help. You say, that's what I've done. Well, then God help me. Just like I said with food, God, I need help. I'm weak. I need help. God's strength is made perfect in our weakness. You refine. 
you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. You continue to pray and minister. And for those that have been here through the weekend, keep going. Get the book, Revival or We Die. Trust me, it'll help you to go deeper. But do what you need to do. Go back, listen to the messages. Get up a little earlier, stay up later, spend more time with God, turn off the TV, shut down the internet, whatever. Just press in, there's a momentum, build on it. He's been working on you here at the altar. Let him keep working. It may be two or three hours of holy surgery and you'll never be the same. Those that have to go, have kids, just take the next steps you know how. Before you know it, you'll be changed. Draw near to God, he'll draw near to you. But let him keep working, let him keep working. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. Your blood made a way. 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 Sunset's free is free. 